Avraham narratives extend from Breshit 12 through Breshit 25, but of all of Avraham's interactions throughout those chapters, there is one conversation that most stands out. Avraham's argument with Hashem regarding stone in chapter 18. After Hashem tells Avraham that he plans to destroy the city, Avraham famously cries out in a passion-filled reproach of Hashem, Ha'av tisbet tzadikim rasha? Will you consume the innocent together with the guilty? Chalila lacha me'asot kadavar hazeh, lahamit tzadikim rasha, v'hayak katzadik karasha, chalila lacha. Heaven forbid for you to do a thing like this, to kill the innocent along with the guilty, that the innocent should become like the guilty. Heaven forbid. Hashofet kol ha'aretz lo yaseh mishpat? Will the judge of all the world not do what is just? At first glance, Avram appears to be advocating for strict justice. He tells Hashem that collective punishment is unfair because it equates the righteous and wicked. True justice means that each individual gets his due, not that the innocent die for the sins of the guilty. However, on further inspection, it turns out that Avraham's request is a bit more complicated than this because in between the two verses just quoted, Avraham makes another plea, one that actually appears to contradict his initial complaint. Avraham says, Perhaps there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you consume and not spare the place because of the 50 righteous who are in its midst? Here, and in the rest of Avram's conversation, he asks that the whole city be saved on behalf of the righteous within it. In other words, that the sinners be saved together with the innocent. Basically, in this verse, Avram asks Hashem to do exactly what, in the adjacent verses, he pleaded with him not to do. While in the two verses mentioned earlier, Avram pleaded that Hashem not equate the innocent and wicked, here Avram asks for the opposite, that Hashem equate the two, the Hayak katsadik karasha. How are we to understand Avraham's two requests? Are they not contradictory? Would it be any more just for God to collectively save even the wicked than it would have been for him to collectively punish even the righteous? Rabbi Eliezer Ashkenazi, a 16th century exegete who lived in several different lands, including Turkey, Italy, and Egypt, asked our question in his Torah commentary called Maaseh Hashem. There's a big question to ask here, for Avram's arguments contradict each other. At first, Avram argues from the perspective of justice, saying that it is inconceivable that Hashem should equate the righteous and wicked, destroying both together. Then, though, he argues that it's not enough that the righteous save themselves, but that they should also save the sinners, and that the entire city should be spared on their behalf. This argument does not stem from justice. So, how did Avraham's two requests relate to each other? Is he asking for two opposing things? Or are the requests somehow linked and really part of a single line of reasoning? In other words, is he asking for justice? mercy, or both. Finally, if Avram does seek justice, why does he stop his request at 10 people? Why not ask Hashem to save even one? A second question in our story relates not to Avram's pleas, but to Hashem's intentions. 
Is it possible that Hashem had originally intended to wipe out even the righteous and that he agreed to spare them only as a result of Avraham's intercession? Did Hashem change his mind? Or, alternatively, is it possible that Avram simply misunderstood the divine plan? Finally, what conclusion is reached at the end of the dialogue? Does Hashem acquiesce to Avraham's demands? Does Avram's protest achieve any of its goals? Commentators struggle with the above issues, and their distinct readings of the chapter betray their very different understandings of justice, mercy, and the relationship between the two. Let's start with those who have no problem with collective salvation. According to Rav Yosef Bechor a Pshat Tosef's commentary from the 12th century, Avram's two requests, that Hashem not destroy the righteous and that he also save the wicked, need not be viewed as contradictory. He presents Avraham as arguing before Hashem, it is worthy and honorable that you spared the wicked due to the righteous, for that is the way of kindness and mercy, and not that you destroy the righteous due to the wicked, for that would be unjust. According to Rav Yosef Bachoshur, there are three possible modes of judgment. If one were to rank them, Collective, judgment, collective punishment would be at the bottom, the most problematic. In the middle would be strict justice, that each individual is punished or rewarded for their own actions. And at the top would be collective salvation. Avram's expectations from divine justice is that it meet this highest standard, that Hashem act lifnim mishurat adin, above and beyond any possible reproach. According to this approach, we can understand why Avram stops his request at 10 people. If there are any fewer than 10 righteous, it would be no longer reasonable to request that their merit save the wicked. But Rav Yosef Bechor assumes that in such a case, Hashem would still have saved the righteous individuals. Hashem from the beginning had never intended to collectively punish, and Avram was simply unaware of this fact. Many of us, at least at first glance, would probably be comfortable with this reading of the story. We identify with Rav Yosef Bechor-Shor's positive evaluation of collective salvation. Though we know that we are undeserving, we pray that due to the merits of our forefathers, we should nonetheless be spared punishment. We implore Hashem to save us on behalf of Tinokot Shabbat Rabban, on behalf of our innocent children who have not sinned. We recite, asking to be pardoned despite our sins and lack of good deeds and we view this as a positive thing. Yet, from the perspective of a victim, such a pardoning might seem very different. The man whose life was destroyed to do the actions of another doesn't see the criminal, criminal who gets off scot-free as an act of justice. The mother who sees the terrorist who killed her child walk out of prison doesn't view that as an act of chesed. She definitely does not view it as just. The opposite is true. It is a travesty of justice. This leads Rabbi Eliezer Ashkenazi, the Maaseh Hashem, to conclude that it is not possible that Avram could really have been asking to spare the wicked. He writes, How could Avram be davening to save sinners who have not repented of their ways? Aval, Avram 
ולכן אמר שבזכות הצדיקים שפרקבה יישא לכל המקום שלא יושחת. According to Rabbi Ashkenazi, when Avram requests ha'af tisbeh v'lo tisal ha'makom, the word makom is meant to be understood literally and refers to the physical location of stone. He is asking not that Hashem save the people of the cities, but rather the cities themselves. Avram cries that it is unfair that the righteous should have to lose their homes and lands in the destruction brought on the wicked. According to the Masay Hashem then, Avram is indeed making two requests. But both are for the sake of the righteous, that they and their land be saved. He assumes that in theory, Hashem agreed to both of Avraham's requests, but unfortunately, there were not enough righteous people to implement them. Rabbi Ashkenazi thus creatively deals with the theological issue of collective salvation. But one might question if his reading of Ha'aftispevelotisalamakom is not too literal. Is this whole conversation really about saving merely a physical location? This leads yet others to solve the issue in a different matter. Rav Yitzhak Arama, a 15th century Spanish exegete, writes in his Torah commentary called the Akedah Yitzhak, V'imkain, mizei yuchuyav, shelifamim tisa avon harishaim, kasher b'motam chuyva mitat ha-tzadikim imahem. From this it emerges that sometimes the sins of the wicked are forgiven, if their deaths will cause the deaths of the righteous living among them. V'zeh, ki ha-adam ha-tzadik ha-yoshiv b'medina ha-ra'a, for a righteous person who lives in a corrupt society and depends on his wicked neighbors for his needs will surely not be able to survive on his own if the wicked are destroyed and he is left alone. According to the Akedat Yitzchak, Avram is not requesting mercy for the wicked, but rather justice for the innocent. His request that the wicked be saved is only for the purpose of benefiting the righteous. Laman hatzadikim does not mean due to the merits of the righteous, but for the sake of the righteous. If the evildoers were all to be wiped out, the righteous whose livelihood depended on them would perish as well. And this, Avraham contends, would be an unjust lumping together of the worthy and unworthy. Akedat Yitzchak uses this reasoning to explain why Avram could not ask for either too many or too few to be saved. If there were a significant portion of righteous in the city, they would no longer be dependent on the wicked, thereby eliminating the justification for saving them. However, if on the other hand, there were merely a handful of righteous, they could easily flee, and then too there would be no need to save the wicked. Indeed, he claims that this is exactly what happened the four righteous individuals, Lot and his family, simply leave the city. With this, we move to one last approach, one which greatly differs in its conception of divine justice from the previous commentators. Rabbi David Tzvi Hoffman writes, Ha'emeti sha'avraham makir b'shtei efshariot bilvad, hashmadat ha'ir kula ala tzadikim sheba, o hatzalata akol yoshveha b'zchutam. Rav David Tzvi Hoffman's Avraham is aware of only two possibilities. Either all of stone would be saved, or all would perish. Avraham does not even consider asking for the salvation of the individual righteous, because Avraham correctly assessed that Hashem had decreed destruction on the city as a whole, and not merely on the individual sinners within. 
Hashem was viewing them as a collective and intended to treat them as one. Yada Avraham sheyesh v'hatzedek doresh hamatat hatzadik biglal harasha. According to Rav David Hafman, though, Avraham is not troubled by this. He understands that sometimes justice actually does mandate collective punishment. Hashem works through nature, and though an innocent person on their own might not merit punishment, they also might not be righteous enough to merit miraculous intervention and individual divine providence. Being part of a collective also means suffering together and bearing the consequences of being part of a wicked society. Avram's bargaining with Hashem, then, was not due to a theological objection to his mode of justice. He was simply asking Hashem that in this case, he should let mercy trump justice, that given a minimum threshold of 10 righteous, Hashem should opt for collective salvation rather than collective punishment. Hashem agrees, but 10 righteous are not to be found, leading to the collective punishment of the city, including any righteous within. According to Rav David Hoffman, only Melot merited special divine intervention due to the merit of Avraham, then any other innocents in the city would have perished. So, to summarize, our Persian imbue collective punishment and collective salvation in very different ways. For Rabbi Yosef Bahorshur, collective punishment is an act of injustice, while collective salvation is a transcendent form of justice, lifnim mishurat hadin. The Maaseh Hashem vehemently disagrees, suggesting that collective salvation is no better than collective punishment. Both are equally problematic. In contrast, Rav David Hoffman suggests that both models are just and sometimes necessary. Here is a question to ponder. Looking to the rest of Torah, of Torah, which mode of judgment seems to be Hashem's norm? Does Hashem always engage in strict justice, saying, Ish bechat o yumatu, that everyone suffers or is rewarded for their own deeds and no one else's? Or does Hashem sometimes engage in collective punishment or collective salvation? For more on this topic, and for the general topic of collective punishment, please visit alatorah.org.